Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. And I'm Alex. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please join our community by subscribing to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are also available on all major podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? All right. On this episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, we are recapping week 17, which is the Fantasy Championship Week. We'll be covering all the news from the games, and uh, including the injuries, recapping the matchups, and we'll be talking about week 18 preview and playoffs for the real NFL. And we'll just get started with the Thursday night matchup, the Jets at the Browns, which to me, Jeff, <laughs> kind of seemed low-key like the game of the week. Um, <laughs> there were parts anyway that were interesting, but Jeff, what did you make of this matchup? So Brees Hall, who has been a favorite of mine all year, we can rewind a few of our episodes of the podcast to confirm that, goes off in the fantasy championships. Um as does David Njoku in the first half, and he was kind of MIA in the second half, but it did look like Joe Flacco was falling asleep past his bedtime in the second half of the game anyways with a comfortable lead. Um, Ford does 100-plus total yards and two touchdowns. So I have a few questions, Alex, for next year. Brees Hall, where is he on your list for 2024? Is he a top 10 running back, a top 15 running back, top 20 running back entering 2024, or am I way off? He's at least top eight, in my opinion, right now, going into next year. Because he already did very good this year, granted in a depressed running back market here. But with Aaron Rodgers, uh, the Jets' offense should open up. He should be even better. Uh, I would expect he gets more points next year than he did this year. Yeah, um, I can definitely see that. And I do 100% expect Aaron Rodgers to be back next year. And then for... Jerome Ford, he is going to be the backup for Chubb in 2024. Is that how you see it as well? Yeah. I, I would see so. him as a very late pick next year, but one of those potential zero running back um, running backs that you can select. Zero running back strategy, running backs to select. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that he could even play the Kareem Hunt role from a couple of years ago when it was Chubb and Hunt on the field. And I think that he could be the more of the receiving back for the Browns and I think the Browns have some confidence in him going forward so I think this was a big year for the Browns because they've seen a bunch of people step up in places where they didn't expect it or didn't think they had a need for it and it's going to really impact going forward for 2024 and beyond and I think this team is a Super Bowl contender um would I feel a little bit better if Watson was part of this team and he was progressing along I would. Would I feel better if Nick Chubb was still part of the starting lineup? I would. But injuries are something that happens in this league. Joe Flacco is making the best of this situation. Jerome Ford is doing the same. And this is what Super Bowl teams do is they they get hot with the players that they have at the right time, and that is the Browns at this current moment. Who's starting at QB for Cleveland in 2024? I think it has to be Watson, but... Uh... I think there is definitely some question marks around that. I don't know the Joe Flacco, just given Joe Flacco's age. And I just, I don't know how long he's looking to play in the NFL. And you yeah, can't really I think, build a long-term future around that. 
I think they're going to have some tough decisions next year because they're they're going to be 13 million over the cap and very few players I think they can renegotiate uh, deals but I, I think Flacco could be back and I think they're going to let Deshaun Watson have a chance because they can't move on from him but they definitely would want someone like Flacco for insurance I think they wanted DTR to be a backup, but it doesn't. It hasn't really panned out to be that way just yet. So it'll be really interesting to see what they do with the quarterback room. I think for sure Watson will be part of that quarterback room, but uh, we'll see. All right. So this is going to be a matchup where you're going to speak a ton on because I know that you hated the officiating in this matchup, and it was a great matchup between the Lions and the Cowboys on Saturday night. And uh, Alex, I we both got it correct with the Cowboys, so I'm not I'm not mad from that perspective. But from your perspective in the officiating corner, what do you got for us? With 27 seconds to go in the fourth quarter, the Lions scored a touchdown. A pretty incredible drive, and they decided to go for two. And their very first attempt was good. But the refs, for whatever reason, said a different person checked in instead of the the guy that was actually receiving. And... uh, all the replay, you can tell that 68 Decker is the one that checked in. 70 did not. They said 70 did. And they wouldn't discuss it. They just said that he did. They doubled down and lied in their own press conference that he did. So I don't know what can be done about this at this point because the NFL is not going to do anything to their officials. And I think it's bogus. But the Lions tried three more times and, and didn't get it. Uh, they easily could have gone and tied it with an extra kick, and I think that's a fair criticism that when it got jacked up, they should have gone for the tie and gone for overtime. I don't fault them for going for the win because they're going to make the playoffs no matter what, but I just think that this, there's so many issues with this. And this is a game that Dallas kind of deserved to lose based off of how they played it in the fourth quarter and not handling time management very well, not handling, handling crucial decisions. So Mike McCarthy's at fault for that. I thought Jared Goff, had some really good plays, and I thought that Dak had some good plays as well. And I look forward to the rematch in the postseason for these two. Yeah, I mean, first I want to say that the official does announce who is reporting as eligible. So there was one time where the Lions should have been paying attention to what the official announced and got that corrected before the play started there was also a timeout called after they had initially lined up so there was a timeout on dallas's behalf just as detroit was about to snap the ball the first time also there was three linemen that went over and talked to the official and we all know that that reason for that was so detroit could confuse dallas and all they did is end up confusing the officials on that one um so i do think some of the gamesmanship bit Detroit in the back there I would have liked to see the call stand because obviously it was a really good call and a really good play call um and then also I would have, I, I want to be able to see Dan Campbell uh shift off of what he believes is the right call when that penalty does happen you can't go for a two-point conversion on the seven-yard line and just pray that you get in it's not the same as the two-yard line I think just as much criticism needs to go on Dan Campbell for his late game decisions as Mike McCarthy does because he stuck with his guns even though there the chances of hitting that were very slim and, and probably even none at that point. But Dallas did get a penalty on that play, so they moved it half the distance back to the goal, and we tried it for a third time, and they missed it. So 
to be honest, they only they only converted successfully on one of three attempts. And the first one was the one of the three. So it tells me that Campbell really should have stopped going for it after the first one, because I'm assuming they don't have two and three plays drawn up to go for two points like that. Like, I, I'm assuming the play that we saw first was the play. And anything after that was just something that was drawn up on the fly. And yeah. So, but I don't know if this will be the last time these two teams meet up. So we might see that this officiating crew has been banned from doing playoff games, which will hurt their wallet books as far as that goes. So the NFL has admitted some fault here of the officials because they basically said that they can't, they aren't doing playoff games. And that's a big deal at this point in the season. Only the best officiating crews will handle playoff games, but let's not discount CD lambs like huge game in this one. And let's also not uh, overlook, um, what Sam Laporta did in this game. And there was some good and there was some bad and there was some ugly from Sam Laporta in this game. There was some missed blocks by Laporta that got golf hit and got hit, the running backs hit and missed from missed assignments. Uh, there was some drops by Laporta as well, but at the end he fought, he gets his catches for 80 some yards. And uh, Alex, I'll let you rebut me on the officiating aspect of it. it. Does seem like the officials have been punished on it, but uh, it may not be enough. Um, but Sam, and then I want to talk about Sam Laporta when you're done with that. Like, where does he go for tight ends and where does he go overall in 2020? So Dan Campbell said that he discussed the play with the officials before the game even happened. And he told him which player it was going to be. And the officials, one, they were going really fast on a two-point conversion, which didn't make any sense because the clock's not running down like other plays. So... I don't know why he sped up. I don't know why he was looking at a player that was 20 feet away from him instead of the two that were right in front of him. Uh, when the officials announce, announce who uh, is checked in as a receiver, they only tell the defense. They don't say it over the intercom. They don't tell the offense. They only go up to the defense. So I think that's another problem in general. One, they should just be able to tell by the formation who is an eligible receiver and who is a blocker. So it doesn't make sense to even do the archaic check-in to begin with, but Decker did check in. Everyone's seen the video of him trying to check in, and honestly, that should have been it. But for whatever reason, they didn't see him, and they lied about 70 checking in. So I I don't appreciate that, and it robs uh, both these teams' credibility because Cowboys should be able to hang their hat and say, we actually won this game, or the Lions' play should have counted, and the Lions should be able to say, we won this game at the end. And right now, it's the officials got in the way of you know, an actual good uh, development here and actual legitimacy. So that's not what we want. Um, I don't think that them just not getting playoff games is enough. I, I feel like there should be some real issues, like maybe bar them from being in the regular season next year too. There has to be some kind of accountability. And I think that they should allow coaches and players to talk about the officiating if it's bad. So I think those are things that could go in the, uh, to improvement. But as far as the Cowboys, CD Lamb getting 227 yards. I, I, it's great for him, great for fantasy, especially for people trying to win in, in the championship who have him. Uh, however, it's kind of been this way the last few weeks where CD Lamb gets a ridiculous target share. And I think that's concerning overall for the Cowboys because when the playoffs happen, teams are going to key on CD Lamb. And if he's covered, 
I don't think the Cowboys have shown that they can be resilient and win in those situations. So other people have to step up. Um, you got a little bit of help from Cooks this week, but he hasn't looked great. He's had like one or, one or two great catches, but outside of that, he hasn't looked good on the field. Ferguson's not producing what you want. So I, I don't know how they're going to handle it. Whereas I, I think the Lions are more well-rounded and even with Goff kind of struggling and getting pressured, I mean, they still have two top quality running backs. They have Mon Ross and Brown as a wide receiver, Sam Laporta, who is a good receiving option. Uh, any of you who followed us in the offseason, I talked about Sam Laporta as a receiving option only and not really that good of a blocker. So uh, that's something that he has to improve if he wants to stay out more and kind of disguise the plays as well. But Jameson Williams starting to step up. So I really mm-hmm. think that the, the Lions are the better team going forward, which is kind of funny at this point. But Sam Laporta, to me, is a top five tight end. I know he finished really high this year, but I think next year he'll probably be four or five because Andrews is coming back. I think Kels will rebound. I think Kittle's still a top option. Goddard missed a lot of this year. So I think that Laporta might be overdrafted depending on how people feel about him next year. Yeah, for me, I got him tight end two going into next year behind Kelsey. And overall, that probably makes him a third round pick going into 2024 for me. And that's kind of crazy. But the upside at tight end that he has is not been seen since Kelsey, in my opinion. Um, And I don't know what's going to happen with Andrews, where he's going to end up, if he's going to end up back with the Ravens. Because Isaiah Likely, as we'll get to a little bit later, has actually been performing quite well in Andrews' absence. And it's really funny because it, two years ago, we, when he was drafted, we thought he was going to be the Andrews replacement, and he never lived up mm-hmm. to the hype until he had to live up to the hype this year. And he scored two touchdowns against the Dolphins this week, so it was a pretty big game for Likely this week. But Laporta, same thing. If I knew for sure Andrews was going to end up back with Baltimore, I probably would consider bumping Laporta down to three, but that would be as far as Hawkinson with Kirk Cousins back. That's true. That's true. He's got Addison and and Jefferson to compete for targets though too. So Addison is going to pick it up in year two, in my opinion. Uh, and then uh, cousins and sons will uh, reign supreme again. All right. Well, I look forward to us breaking down tight ends in the off season, but we can move on here to the Cardinals at the Eagles. We both went Eagles in this one and uh, Cardinals pulled off the upset. We did talk about briefly that there could be an upset here. Neither one of us went with it though. Uh, but Jeff, what did you make of the this battle here, the Bird Bowl? Oh, another Bird Bowl did we get here. Um, my first thing here is that we both got this pick wrong, um, and I have no idea yeah. what's going on with the Eagles, so I hope that you can describe what's going on with the Eagles when I'm done here. But uh, Murray and Connor have huge games for the Cardinals. Um, I think that means Murray is probably going to have the role that he's in right now for next year, and then do you think Connor is back in 2024? Or do you think they go in a different direction like Michael Carter? I honestly think Connor's back. Uh, I wouldn't want to move on from him, but I, I think that they've got good depth now. Murray, I still don't buy that he's a legitimate starter anymore, which is he started off really hot in the, early in his career, but I, I think teams just have him mostly figured out. You got to remember the Eagles, they've lost both their coordinators before the season started. Uh, I think that they've had some some injury issues. They just aren't right so we talked about it being a potential upset as well with uh the eagles last year's dc is the the cardinals head coach so there's some uh revenge game aspects there is he knows them intimately so 
that was a possibility. I think James Conner played phenomenally in this game. I, I think that Murray is starting to connect better with Michael Wilson. It's still not where I want to see it, but they're starting to get a little bit better connection. Um, bad week for McBride, though. So I would have expected a little bit more from, from McBride. But Cardinals are going to be a little bit better next year than they were this year. I don't know if I would say they're a playoff team next year, but they they should be pretty solid. And I think the Eagles are going to go pretty far in playoffs, but I don't think the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. I, I, I don't see that happening the way that they've played. But Julio Jones, two touchdown catches. <laughs> Blast from the past. It's uh, yeah. 2015 again. Yep, you uh, want to trade a couple of firsts for him for next year? Nope, no, nope, I'll never do that again. I always move off of a wide receiver just in time. I did it, it with Stefan Diggs this year, and we'll get to Diggs a little bit later, but I, I moved off him just in time in uh, Dynasty League as well. Better to be a year to... early than a year late. You're trying to sell them to me, and I wouldn't buy it. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I mean, I thought that this year was going to be a good year for Diggs, so like, let's not assume that I didn't think this year was going to be good, but I thought this year was going to be it. So I always move off of a guy a year early rather than a year late. And <laughs> that's what I was trying to do. I also thought Julio had one more good year in him before I just shipped him off too. But hey, can't always be right on everything there. Uh, do we think that Michael Wilson could be something good and special for this Arizona Cardinals team? He got yeah. he went four for 35, but scores a touchdown in this one. I, I like Michael Wilson, and I think that we, uh, been, we've been spoiled by some players performing well year one, and that historically just doesn't happen for the most part. So we expect that of every single rookie to immediately play well, and that just doesn't happen in most cases. So I think Michael Wilson is someone who I expect to have a better year and next year, and I think his upside is pretty high. Yeah, and I'm excited to see because are you under the impression now that Kyler Murray probably gets another shot at next year? Or are you under the impression that he's not going to get that opportunity? I'm under the impression they're going to find a way to sit him the last two games so he's healthy for next year and they don't have to worry about the injury issues. <laughs> Kyler Murray? Yeah. Yep. There's only one game left this season, sir. Yeah. He's, I don't think he's going to play in the last game. What? Well, they have nothing to play for. And they, got, they, they don't want to guarantee Seahawks. his money. They don't want to guarantee his money. We'll see. We'll see. He's but got. I think they'll. Why not bench him this week? That past week when they were already eliminated. Because they don't want to look like they're going to bench him. Oh, but there is a team later that we'll get to that uh, we will talk about them not caring what people think. Um, but uh, Kyler Murray does have another bird bowl this weekend against the Seahawks, and he's got to win another bird bowl here, sir. But uh, no one on Philly here did great for fantasy purposes. I do want to say that before we move on, like Hertz didn't look great. I think he had a rushing touchdown as per usual with the tush push. But them losing to the Cardinals here this close to the playoffs and probably losing a home playoff game because of it is not a good luck. No. All right. Uh, I agree with that. And we can move on to the next matchup. And that is the Falcons at the Bears. This is uh, our third correct pick of the week, so we're three out of four in the, to this point. I, I think the Bears looked solid, uh, if not spec- if not great, but I, I think that 37 to 17 is pretty good, considering both of them uh, had playoff aspirations, whereas I think Bears are on the outside, but they uh, definitely put a damper a little bit on Atlanta making the playoffs. Uh, Justin Fields looked actually 
pretty solid in this one. He had a lot of good throws, but I don't think he's perfect. I think they'll still roll with him, honestly, even though they guarantee the number one pick this year with the Panthers' loss. So I think they're still going to roll with Fields, which is maybe not the best choice for them. But we'll see if they can get if they can get Harbaugh, they'll move on from uh, the current coach here. But we'll see. Jeff, did you start Khalil Herbert like you thought you were going to? No, because uh, Foreman didn't get the personal scratch again. So I was a little bit afraid of throwing Foreman back into that backfield. Um, but it does seem like Eberflus is staying for 2024 for the Bears. Um, Fields, you think that he's coming back, and I think that's more of a 50-50 toss-up at this point. Um, I think that um, that it would be better for them to move in a different direction rather than paying Fields fair market value right now, um, especially before they know for sure what they have. He did double his win total uh, of his career this year, so there is that benefit and that positive. Now, if we switch over to the Falcons, uh, I don't know what they do at coaching this year. There's been mixed reports on here. I, we all know what you believe that they should do. But Bijan just has not been productive as a starter, and Algier has been productive when in the lineup. So I'm not really sure what happened in 2024 to Bijan here. And B- Bijan out-touched uh, Algier in this one, but was outgained by Algier. So I don't know what your thoughts are on Bijan for 2024 and uh, if you think that he ever shakes uh, Tyler Algier. I think Tyler Algier is a second running back on a roster, and if not for a, a freak 75-yard reception, he would have been nowhere close to Bijan's numbers. And I thought Bijan did fine, and I thought uh, they did well to get the ball to Bijan. I thought that once uh, Heineke got hurt, I mean, they were pretty much out of it from that point. And they were in Chicago, in snowy weather, snowy bad weather, in Chicago outdoors, whereas the Falcons typically play indoors in a dome. So I never thought that they had a chance to begin with. But them playing as well as they did, it's credit to them. But ultimately, four interceptions to a Bears defense that has been quietly good for the second half of the year. Um, I just think the Bears are close to playoffs playoffs, and playoff contention. And the Falcons are only close because of the technicality of their division. So Falcons need, in my opinion, a new head coach. Uh, they need a quarterback, whereas Chicago has... First overall pick that they can sell for King's Ransom this year. And I think that if they get a big enough package, they should absolutely trade the first overall pick and just load up. And uh, I think they could easily be one of the, the better teams for the next three or four years if they do that and do it right. Yeah, I mean, they do have a tough division with the Lions, who are seem to be on the rise. Jordan Love, who seems to be on the rise. And then Kirk Cousins coming back with that Vikings team that battled without Kirk Cousins. Like, I don't think it's going to ever be an easy path for the Bears to dominate that division. Yeah. So why not load up on as much talent as you can? Yeah, I, I just didn't expect this division to get even better with Aaron Rodgers out of the division. Um, but it has. I had... I think the Vikings now understand what they're missing with Kirk Cousins being gone, and that is a pretty big deal for negotiations that are going to be happening probably in the next couple of months with Kirk Cousins. All right. Well, we can move on to uh, the Jungle Cat matchup, and that's the Panthers at the Jaguars. <laughs> no bird Jeff, bowls this you time. Went, you went with uh, your your home your home team here, the Panthers, and uh, Jaguars took it. And I got that one right. Uh, that's with starting the backup quarterback. And, Trevor Lawrence out. I, I thought that Jaguars had control of this game the entire time. Uh, 
Bryce Young had an injury scare where he got hit, and uh, we didn't know if he was going to be back in the game. He ended up coming back. But to me, it's just one of the reasons why I was nervous about him was his size, and uh, I was surprised that he made it as long as he did without getting like a significant hit. And to, to me, I would be worried if I was a Panthers fan for, for him and his stature. It's interesting because if they had a better offensive line, he actually, and he actually has time to throw, he can pick apart defenses all right. But that offensive line has been so terrible, and he's avoided big hits as long as he has. It's, he's just, I feel like he'll break the next hit, the next significant hit. And I, that, that has been a weird situation. So mentally, he, he's good enough to play. Physically, I'm concerned. Jeff, the Jaguars who have struggled at defense destroyed the Panthers. And that's with having their backup quarterback in twenty six to zero. Like, what are the state? What is the state of the two teams here? Because Jacksonville's still fighting for a playoff spot. They're tied in a three way tie with Houston and Indianapolis for the division title. One game left for all three of these teams versus Carolina. Like, what are the state of the, the two franchises here? Do you think it gets better for Carolina? Do you think Jacksonville's fool's gold? Like, what do you think? So I think to shut out an NFL team is no joke, no matter the NFL team. Um, so, and especially to do it with a backup quarterback says a lot about the entire team. Um, ETN made that an easier day for Bethard without, and then Bigsby also got some run, which has to make you a little bit happy in your heart that it didn't look great, but he did get some run. And so, but we'll see what he does in year two. Cause I think year two could be a bigger year for Bigsby than year one. As we all know, you're always one year early on players. <laughs> so we have that here. Um, Tepper threw a drink on a Jags fan, which is a terrible look, unacceptable for an NFL owner, unacceptable for my NFL owner to be doing that. Um, It's his decisions that have put the organization in the spot that it's in right now. And he is failing as an owner right now. So I don't know how else to put it, but I can tell you the next coach and GM, if we do replace the GM as well, we'll have a lot more say and a lot more freedom to do things because what Tepper's doing Tepper's way right now is not working. And I do know that he's a smart enough man to know when something's not working a certain way that they need to go. We need to hire experts and try to do it a different way. So I do think it could be an attractive coaching job from that point of view is that they will have a very long leash because he does not want to be the owner that's fired three coaches super quickly type of deal. Um, but it'll be interesting to see where Carolina does go from here. They do need to upgrade on all facets of the offense. The defense does play well in spurts. They actually kind of kept them in this game for quite a bit of time until the ETN run. Uh, it was a long rushing touchdown. Um, so there was that aspect of it. But it's really hard to be motivated as a defense when your offense isn't scoring any points. So I think at some point, like, you just shut down as a defense because <laughs> you're like, well, we're not getting any help here. Like, what's the point of us risking our bodies and risking our lives here for for something that's not even going to obtain something positive? Um, Chicago needs to be thanking Carolina for this. This actually really worked out well for Chicago, but it does, it, as we just got done talking about Chicago, it's going to raise some questions for them about what they're going to do with Justin Fields. Because once you get to that 101 with, with uh, Caleb Williams' potential first overall pick, like... You, you, it start, you start salivating a little bit because you believe that it could be a generational talent at quarterback, which I do not believe Justin Fields is a, another 10 to 15 year starter in the league. And Caleb Williams could be that. So that's where you start to salivate a bit in that front. 
Um, but as far as Carolina here, they're going to have to retool, rework, re. They're going to have to fix everything that they did this year. Like there was been some aspects that had been really good, and we do need a drop of you for next year. That he's just too small because. I feel like on repeat, you've been saying that all year, and it just might be easier to have a drop of, of, of just playing that every time that Bryce Young comes up. Um, but going back to this, DJ Shark does appear to be an aspect that has worked late for this offense. And I want to bring back DJ Shark because if he has a connection with Bryce Young, I want to do everything possible for Bryce Young to be successful with the Carolina Panthers. And I think bringing back DJ Shark, probably letting LaVisca Chenault go, probably trading Terrace Marshall away. Um, Mingo needs to take a, a second year leap. Uh, Thielen needs to stick around because he's been a safety blanket, but then they need to retool their three, their four through six receivers with potential talent down the pike. And from what I've read and seen that T Higgins is going to be someone that'll be on their radar going into the off season, which which we'll get to the off-season stuff very shortly, but T. Higgins would be an interesting wide receiver to throw in the mix there. Yeah, I don't see how they would afford the the price tag for him, assuming he's franchise tag. But if he's a full-on free agent, I could see them outbidding anyone to get him. Yeah, and on the other aspect of this is like, I know they don't own the 101 pick, which I would rather Carolina own the 101 pick this year than last year. And we would start over with, uh, Caleb Williams. So looking back, like that trade just blew across the board. But there's a there's a good chance with like we'll say Andy Dalton and DJ Moore that we wouldn't have ended up with the first overall pick. Well, I think you guys missed out on Roshan Johnson. That's the number one thing you guys missed out on in this draft. So <laughs> gave him you gave him away to the Bears. It shouldn't have yep. happened. Yep. But I think when you do need to start over at running back as well, I don't think Chuba Hubbard is a NFL star for very long. And I think Miles Sanders is an overpaid free agent that we brought in last year at running back. Which is funny because he wasn't really paid that much historically, but he was paid the most of any running back last I think offseason. it was nine mil a season, nine mil a year though, for three years. It was a three year, 27 mil deal. And then I have nothing more to say about the Carolina Panthers for the rest of the year. It's a four year, $25.4 million contract. So, I don't think it's that I was much. Close. It's like six and a half mil a season, then? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, six and a half per year. In the last year, it's only 5.5. But considering Singletary's signed for two or three a season, and he's killing it, and Houston is a big overpay at running back, in my opinion. Yeah, but I, I expected more from Miles Sanders. To me, it's more of an offensive line issue. Like, is Miles Sanders a top tier running back? No, but the offensive line has been awful in Carolina. So I think that they need to spend money on that position group more than wide receiver, in my opinion. But we'll see what they're able to do. Uh, let's go ahead and power through the rest of these matchups, and then we can talk about week 18 in our playoff predictions. So. Let's move on to the next matchup here, which is the Rams at Giants. And we both got this right. We both went Rams. Uh, the Giants made a game of it. So it was a 26 to 25 victory. Uh, Giants, I think, have shown some fight over the second half of this season. And I expect them to do better next year. Uh, we'll see, uh, especially if they maintain their coaching staff and improve at quarterback somehow. 
I, I think that they'll do better next year. But the Rams, uh, Stafford had some trouble against the, the Giants defense, but Kyron Williams still had a good fantasy week. 87 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Puka Nakua had 118 yards, has no touchdowns this time. Demarcus Robinson had 92 yards as well. He had broke his touchdown streak, so he also didn't get one um, this week. Uh, Cooper Cup salvaged his week with a touchdown because he only had 27 yards, which is a little bit of a disappointment for fans out there. But overall, I think the Rams pretty much, in my opinion, have clinched the playoffs. Um, they're nine and seven. They might finish ten and seven. So I, I'm excited for for them to make the playoffs. And Jeff, what do you think about this matchup? What did I miss here? So the Rams tried to give away the third straight matchup. Like I know they won the last two games, but they let teams back into it that they shouldn't have. So they're going to have to find a way to close out games. And I don't know if that is getting a better pounder than Kyron Williams because he's tired by that point. But they're going to have to figure a way to start closing out games. And we will see what that looks like moving forward because the Rams do look like they're going to have a playoff berth, whether a win or a loss this upcoming week, it does appear that they will now make the playoffs with the way that uh, the wins and losses happened this past week. But the so Puka is about to become the all-time receiving record holder this week against the 49ers. He needs 29 yards to break one of the oldest NFL records, which was done in 1960. So it's... Uh, it's pretty amazing that this fifth round rookie is so amazing and I can't wait to see what his career looks like. And I wouldn't be shocked if next year he took over the one and cup became the two, but cup would be a phenomenal two. So it's just, uh, there's a lot to, to look at there. And then uh, Darius Slayton, he balls out with, with Tyrod Taylor over a hundred yards receiving and uh, the offense looked much better, but Barkley did not look better in this particular version of the offense i do think keeping it close with another playoff team this late does really help brian dayball keep that job for next year and they do need to find an upgrade at quarterback from daniel jones but i just don't know how or who they're gonna find to do that i think that's gonna be difficult for them uh, they also need to improve their offensive line as well because their offensive line hasn't been good this season but we need a drop of that as well because yeah. i feel like that is becoming a running tradition yeah. on this podcast all right, well, we can move on to the next matchup here, and that was the Raiders at the Indianapolis Colts. That was a very, very close one. Jeff, you got it right. You predicted the Colts to win. I took Vegas, but it was 23-20, to 20, really, really close. Um, I thought Aiden O'Connell looks good in this one. Uh, granted, I think he threw 17 times too many, but 21 targets to Devontae Adams for 13 receptions, 126 yards, and two touchdowns. Certainly came through for your fantasy owners out there. Zamir Cost White. me one. <laughs> Zamir White with over 106 yards in this one between rushing and receiving. Five of those were receptions. Uh, I thought Gardner Minshew looked better this week because Michael Pittman was back. Um, however, not much to contribute fantasy-wise. Just that long touchdown pass to Alec Pierce, and that was Alec Pierce's only target. So I, I feel like they're missing opportunities to open up the offense a little bit more and be a little bit more vertical. But Jonathan Taylor, 96 yards and a touchdown. That was pretty much all the fantasy relevance in my opinion. But I think the Raiders are a better team than we thought. And I think that now that AFC South 
with the Jacksonville Jaguars, Indianapolis Colts, and Houston. It's going to be a fun one to follow going into next week. Jeff, did I miss anything with this matchup? I know we were so disappointed, uh, so disappointed that Trey Sermon didn't blow it up this week, but <laughs> what, what were your thoughts? So the Colts edged the Raiders. The game did look a little bit closer on the scoreboard than it was. The Raiders did kick a field goal with a minute or two left to make it a seven-point game, and then they tried for the onside kick, which was not covered by the Raiders. So it did make it look like a little bit closer on the scoreboard. Uh, Adams, 21 targets. Jeez, like that is insanity to me. I just don't know if you go with the interim guy. I know you're big on him here, but I think that there is some... I, I think that he is just jazzing up the guys right now, and I think it'll be a lot of smoke and mirrors for next year, and I don't know if he's a long-term solution at head coach. And I think that was evident last week with Aiden O'Connell getting, like, 60 passing yards in a game. Like, that can't happen in the NFL and you'd be successful. So, like, I think some of it's smoke and mirrors, and we're going to overreact to recency and the team responding to him. Um it happened with Eli Manning, and Eli Manning won two Super Bowls. So, I mean. We'll see. We'll see. I just don't have as much faith there. But Jonathan Taylor looked the best that he has all season, which is interesting moving into this last week's matchup, which is going to be for a playoff spot. Probably the one of the last or the last playoff spots. Because I do believe that the Jaguars beat the Titans this week. Like, let's be serious there. Um, I do think Jacksonville does beat the Titans in that one, and then the Colts and the uh, Texans are in a battle for that last playoff position in this in the AFC. But that's pretty much all I have to say about this game here. The Colts have really blown me away uh, un- under Steichen and Gardner Minshew because this was not the plan going into the year. And the fact that they were able to pivot to this being the plan and them being on the verge of a playoff berth is is nothing sheer of like mind-blowing, especially because we consider this one of the worst rosters in the league. Why Shane Sykin's in contention for coach of the year. So I think he's done an exceptional job. But let's uh I think Stefanski has that locked. Uh probably at this point. Yeah, I or would say so. Quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he but, would be the two seed in the AFC if the Ravens or he would be the one seed if the Ravens didn't exist. Yep. So speaking of the Ravens, we can talk about them next. Uh Dolphins at the Ravens, and we both got the Ravens. Ravens demolished the Dolphins in this one. They <laughs> they won fifty six to nineteen, and the last time they did something like that, uh, Lamar Jackson won the MVP against the when they put up fifty nine on Miami previously. So this year they kind of did the same thing. I expect Lamar Jackson to get the MVP this year, and I, I think that uh, Miami is going to have some problems when the playoffs start. I just don't believe Tua is the guy. I know he threw a lot of yards this year, but I just don't believe that he has the, the talent to be a legitimate starter in the NFL. I know you probably disagree with me there, but uh, what you might agree with me on is Devon Achan had a wonderful week with 107 rushing yards, 30 yards through the air in a receiving touchdown. So uh, I would like to see more of him. I'd like to see more of a one-two punch with him and Mostert whenever they're healthy. Um, Jeff? Is there ever going to be a legitimate running back with uh, with Baltimore? Are they ever going to have a, cons- a consistent running back that is the guy each week, or is it always going to be someone different every week with Baltimore? Well, right now it's, got, it's Gus Edwards week in and week out, in my opinion. Um, but I think they wanted it to be Keaton Mitchell, and <laughs> we all know how that ended. Um, but it does seem like Lamar will benefit 
when they can get a consistent running back back there. I know they started with Dobbins and then they went to Edwards. Edwards wasn't performing as well as they would have liked. They went to Hill a little bit and they went to Mitchell and Mitchell looked like the guy that was going to take off and take that role to a whole nother level. But he tore his ACL and we'll see what happens going into next year, but he looked easily the most electric. Any of these running backs get taken before the seventh or eighth round next year? Uh, Mm. like Keaton Mitchell would be an interesting zero RB guy, and he might be a guy that yep. goes in the double-digit rounds. Yep, I wouldn't trust any of these guys taken in the first six rounds, for sure, going into the next year. I think Dobbins is gone, You got right? Dobbins Edwards is gone. gone, too. I think yep. Edwards is gone also. So. so they only, under contract right now, they have Keaton Mitchell and uh, Justice Hill. Well, we can talk about the uh, Ravens production as well. Lamar Jackson had five touchdowns. Even uh, the backup, Tyler Huntley, had a touchdown as well on his lone throw. Uh, Gus Edwards had 68 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Justice Hill had 48 yards on the ground and 64 through the air and a touchdown. So two running backs got it done there. Zay Flowers had 106 yards and a touchdown. Um, Bateman and Isaiah Likely both had fantasy-relevant weeks with Likely getting two touchdowns, so that was nice for anyone who started him. But uh, Tyreek Hill on the Dolphins side only had 76 receiving yards. A little disappointed for him this week. Waddle was out, and uh, just Dolphins couldn't compete with the Ravens. Yeah, it looked really bad out there. Um, Achan was the lone bright spot. He fills in for Moster on this one, which will be interesting to see in 2024 what they do at running back with Moster, Wilson, and Achan under contract. But I do think Achan does be, he's going to be the one that's going to eventually pull away with that role. But it does seem like the Dolphins still cannot beat a consistently good football team. And I know they beat Dallas on a last second field goal, but that was their only win this year against a team with a winning record. And I think they're falling apart as they hit the postseason, and that isn't good. Like, they have the Bills next week for the division title. That is really crazy to me, considering where the Bills were a few weeks ago, the 11th seed in the AFC. They have a shot to lock up the second seed with just one victory next week. And uh, speaking of those Bills, they played the Patriots. We both picked the Bills for this win. They did, in fact, win. It was a little interesting that it started off with a return touchdown for the Patriots and the Patriots got that first score. They kept it interesting, but the Bills scored over their the next four times. They, the Bills were the ones that scored. The Bills maintained their lead 27-21. Uh, I know that New England, I say it every week, and we might as well can that one and add that every week, that New England has the opportunity to upset anyone, especially in their division, and they came close to it. But Bailey Zappi looked atrocious with those three interceptions, zero touchdowns through the air. He did have one rushing touchdown. Zeke had one rushing touchdown, but otherwise looked irrelevant. Uh, no one really looked good as a receiving option for New England. And for the for the Bills, it was a week to forget for James Cook. And the uh, worst time to happen was in the championship. Josh Allen didn't look great through the air either, but he did have two rushing touchdowns. Uh, Dalton Kincaid was the, the leading receiver for them at the tight end position with 87 receiving yards. No one else really stepped up, so kind of a defensive battle in this matchup not as much offense as we'd hope oh uh, i do like demario douglas and i do want to see what he can do with an actual quarterback next year zappy is not the quarterback of the future three interceptions in this one so i do want to see what demario douglas does Diggs has another bad performance and i had been telling people 
privately and even publicly to bench digs in the fantasy championship. I know we spent a first round pick on him. I know that's really hard to do, but his track record over the last six, seven, eight games has not been good. And you couldn't like risk putting him out there for the fantasy championships, in my opinion, on the ground and not so good through the air in this one. But I do think it was a cold game in Orchard Park against a familiar opponent with a good defense. And we saw what the Patriots special teams could do because they ran back the opening kickoff uh, for a touchdown. So this is kind of this is the kind of play that the Patriots put in to keep this game as close as they were able to. But again, I think the Bills go to Miami next week. I think they dominate the Dolphins, especially in the mildly warm weather. And that will be it'll be really interesting to watch the Dolphins to see what happens with the Dolphins after they collapse. Yeah, we will see. But speaking of collapse, Tampa Bay collapsed against New Orleans this week. And I know you were hoping that they would go ahead and clinch it, clinch that division so that uh, the Panthers would have a chance against them next week. Didn't happen. New Orleans pretty much demolished them. I know the score is relatively close, 23 to 13, but it didn't look close watching it. Tampa struggled to get anything going. Uh, when they finally got something going late, uh, they missed their two-point conversion because Godwin stepped out of bounds before he caught it. Uh, Mike Evans didn't get enough targets, in my opinion. He only had uh, four targets, which he caught three of them for 70 yards and zero touchdowns. Trey Palmer had a late touchdown. Uh, Godwin had a late touchdown. Rashad White just didn't look good in this matchup. The Saints were able to shut him down. Baker looked bad in the first half. Um, not what we wanted to see. Derek Carr didn't look great in this one, but he was good enough. He was accurate and got touchdowns, if not yardage. Alvin Kamara got hurt and missed basically all the second half. So that disappointed for fantasy owners. Uh, Jawan Johnson was the Saints guy in this game. Eight receptions off 12 targets, 90 yards, and a touchdown. Taysom Hill showed up to get a touchdown. Chris Olave did not show up this week. Um, kind of a weird game. And now the NFC South is also in a predicament where Saints, Tampa Bay, and Falcons all have a chance to win their division with this last remaining week. So it's going to be interesting how that play, how that plays out. If Tampa Bay beats Panthers, they're in. If they lose, then potentially whoever wins between the Saints and Falcons will uh, win the division title. So that's going to be interesting to follow as well. Yeah, I think that the, the uh, Buccaneers do beat the Panthers this week. It doesn't really matter for the Panthers anymore either because they already gave up the number one overall pick to the Bears. Very disappointing, but that's just the way that that cookie has crumbled. Um, I do think Tampa Bay has, might have found a new wide receiver in Trey Palmer. He he did outcatch and out uh, gain and uh, both Evans and Godwin in this one. Um, and Evans, as we know, is a free agent going into this year. But Guan Johnson with twelve reception or twelve targets in this one, I think eight receptions, and that is kind of crazy because I didn't expect that from one singular tight end on the Saints. Uh, we had all hope for that before the season started, but Taysom Hill is always involved. But Guan Johnson. Very interesting on that front. Um, but the Saints did have a good game plan for Baker, and that's why ultimately the Bucks failed, and that's ultimately why we failed in our pick, because we both picked Bucks in that one. Yeah. Well, let's move on to a game where we both picked correctly, and that is the 49ers at Commanders. We both went 49ers. They did, in fact, win 27-10, to 10, although for a portion of this game it was fairly close. They, uh, they ended up pulling ahead because they're a much better team. And man, did Sam Howell not look good in this one. He wasn't supposed to start. It was supposed to be Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett had 
and hamstring tightness. So Sam Howell, knowing that he was previously benched, got the start. Uh, didn't didn't show up very well. But Terry McLaurin had 60 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Your boy, Terry, Terry scoring McLaurin. Yep, scoring McLaurin finally showed up. And uh, a, a week too late for me, but that's all right. Um, Brian Robinson, he looked efficient. I wish he got more touches, but uh, about 76 yards total in this game. Um, Elijah Mitchell took over for Christian McCaffrey, who got hurt. So that was a little bit concerning to see McCaffrey get hurt, and I think he might get rested this last week. But Brandon Ayuk blew up for 114 yards off seven receptions and a touchdown. Debo Samuel got himself a touchdown and rushed three times for 35 yards. Uh, Chris McCaffrey had an okay week this week before getting hurt. Brock Purdy was very efficient this week, so that's good to see him bouncing back after last week. But uh, I still think the 49ers are the best team. They, uh, I think they clinched the number one in the NFC, so they probably rest guys going into uh, this week. Yeah, I, um, I don't know if you can bench guys back-to-back weeks. What are your thoughts on two weeks? So, like, what are your thoughts on the 49ers benching players other than McCaffrey in Week 18 and then also having the bye right after that? Do you think that does damage having two bye weeks in a row? I think it's just how the team handles the bye week more so than anything else. Um, I think if players remain focused, it's fine. But some people let their guards down and uh, get too lax, and it's hard to turn turn it back on when they do play. So there's something to be said for that. They might just play starters in the first half and then rest them in the second half. But I think you'd be really bummed if your star player got hurt uh, in a meaningless game. So that's something to consider as well. Yeah, I think that there's a chance that the Ravens and the 49ers play their starters for the first at least half of the game because they don't want to go in rusty that first week of the playoffs. So there is that aspect of it. CMC definitely should sit with the calf strain, uh, give him two weeks of rest, get him fully healthy. But it is really um, uplifting for the 49ers with CMC out. Mitchell scores, Ayuk scores, Samuel scores. So they have enough playmakers and scorers even with cmc out so cmc is more of a luxury at this point but we both feel really bad for sam howell in this one he gets the last second spot start after being benched looks bad again against one of the league's best defenses so guy cannot catch a break this year and his head coach is probably about to get fired very shortly probably in the next seven days all right i i pretty much agree with that so we can move on to the texans and Titans matchup. The Texans handedly destroyed uh, Tennessee 26-3. to Although I thought Stroud looked rusty at the beginning of the game, uh, coming back from two weeks out with a concussion. Uh, it never looked like Tennessee was in this game outside of the first quarter. So the, the last three quarters, they handedly seemed like they were out of it and always playing catch-up. Derrick Henry put another stinker up, and to me, to my, to my count, he's had a lot of really bad games this year. So I'd say one, two, three, four, five, six bad weeks fantasy wise, which is not good. I know that he's what still in the top twelve. He's still uh, RB one finished in total points, but if he's not getting that in six of the matchups, I don't think that's very very good uh, in my opinion. So consistency is a, a fantasy trait I I covet. Um, I think Derrick Henry is done as an RB one in my opinion. And I think he's on a different team next year. And I don't know <laughs> if I would uh, draft him in the first three or four rounds. So that's, that's something that I find concerning. Devin Singletary though, had 80 yards on the ground and I, I thought he played 
fairly well in this matchup. Nico Collins, it was good to see him back out there. He had 80 yards uh, receiving off of seven catches. I would have liked to have seen a touchdown, but it's not just nice to see him healthy and uh, see him and Stroud have that connection again. So I am counting on them making the playoffs now against the Colts, and we can certainly talk about that in our uh, preview for Week 18 in our playoff predictions. But Texans just outclassed the Titans all around. And Jeff, I was just wondering if you had anything else to add. No. Um, other than, uh, do you believe that Devin Singletary will be back with the Texans next year? Because it does seem like he is the glue that's holding this team together right now. I think that they would have mutual interest to uh, go next year as well. So we'll see if they give him like a two, two maybe three-year contract, probably a two-year contract to come back. Um, I don't see him having that much appeal to other teams at this point. So I think him and Houston make the most sense. But I wouldn't put it past Houston to go after another running back in the draft, potentially. Yeah, I think, uh, and and do you think Pierce gets another crack at it, or do you think that's it for him? No, I think Pierce gets another crack at the roster next year, but um, nothing's going to be given to him, and he has to show up. So it's on him to show up. Absolutely. All right, so we can hop over to the next matchup. I think the Titans are just done. I don't think Levis is actually going to be it for them either, so they might be looking in a different direction at quarterback. But going in a different direction at quarterback, Mason Rudolph gets his second start for the Steelers at the Seahawks, and Alex, how did we do on this pick? Uh, We both went Seahawks. We both got it wrong. Uh, The Steelers showed up this week and won 30-23. I thought the Seahawks had a chance to tie it up at the end. It just didn't work out for them. I don't know what it's going to take for them to get their ground game going. It seems like every week Kenneth Walker gets about 50 yards and a touchdown. And uh, I got dinged up in this one. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, he gets dinged up every week, but he somehow plays. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was his uh, wrist this time, and I guess that was an issue going into the week that I may not have known about beforehand. Yeah, Tyler Lockett basically blanked it this week. He got one catch for 10 yards off of five targets. That was a little disappointing. Um, I thought that Jigba had one good catch for that touchdown. I thought he'd be a little bit more involved. I just thought the offense would have opened up a little bit more, but give uh, give credit to Mason Rudolph and the Steelers' defense and the Steelers' running game because uh, between Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, they basically put up 200 yards on the ground um, and three touchdowns on the ground. So kudos to those guys. And and, uh, George Pickens has fantasy relevance anytime Mason Rudolph is out there. So 131 yards this week, over 100 yards last week. Even Deontay Johnson had 76 yards this week. Um, Steelers look like they're fighting hard for playoffs, and... uh, it's down to the wire for, for these two teams to make the playoffs. Yep. And I think the Steelers might get edged out because I think the Ravens are going to want to keep them out of the playoffs, but we'll see what happens on that front. Um, and the Seahawks are probably going to get edged out as well. And I don't even know if they can beat the Cardinals next week, which we'll talk about a little bit more as we get down to our picks. All right. We got three more week 17 matchups here. The The next one is what would have been an awesome game uh, going into the season, but it ended up being, kind of lackluster to me and that's the Bengals at the Chiefs in Arrowhead so we both went Chiefs we both got it correct but the the Chiefs didn't look pretty getting the win uh they won 25-17 and a lot of that nine of nine of those points were in the fourth quarter I think it's mostly a defensive game for these two teams but uh Rasheed Rice for the Chiefs was the best wide receiver all around for both teams, and that included Jamar Chase being out there. She Rice had five receptions for 127 yards. Jam- uh, Jamar Chase only had 41 yards in this one. Uh, 
Pacheco looks great, 130 rushing yards, 35 receiving yards off of seven receptions. Uh, Joe Mixon had a relevant week this week with 65 rushing yards, and he also had four catches for 22 yards and a touchdown. So those two guys were pretty crucial. Uh, the Chiefs just don't look the same, and uh, the Bengals are definitely missing Joe Burrow. I don't think the Bengals are going to make the playoffs, but I think they uh, they have some spoilery chances if they do. Jeff, what did I miss here? Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you on the Chiefs. They look really scary again. They struggle at home. Rasheed Rice and Isaiah Pacheco are their two lone bright spots. Um, they do have a ground game and a bit of a passing game, so it does it mind boggles me a little bit that they're as bad as they are, but the rest of their pass catchers right now just aren't doing well. And that includes Kelsey, which I do believe Kelsey has not been playing at 100% this year. So there is that. Um, but the Chiefs are going to be in the playoffs. They they have the number three seed locked up, and I don't think they can move up to the number two seed, which is going to be one of the lowest seeds that they've had since Patrick Mahomes has been in the NFL. So he's going to have a little bit of uphill battle to get back to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, that's something we're going to uh, talk about as we go into our playoff projections. Um why don't we finish up with week 17 here? And I'll definitely take both of these matchups here. The first one being the LA Chargers at the Denver Broncos. So why don't you break this matchup down? There's a lot to say about this matchup. And the first is this matchup turned into Easton Stick, which we knew, versus Jared Stidham, which we did not know. So Russell Wilson was benched. This this matchup was not that great of a matchup at all. Um, there's nothing really to talk about in this matchup other than the benching of Russell Wilson, which it came out that two days before Halloween this year that Russell Wilson was asked to defer his injury uh, guarantee. And he and if he, he was told if he did not do that, that he would be benched. And um, he did not do that, but he rattled off a few wins in a row. So they, re- they really did not bench him until um, this week. And it will be really interesting to see if they give him another shot to win the starting job next year. And this is really just about the injury guaranteed that can be paid out at $37 million. So if he passes the physical, does he still resume being the Broncos' starting quarterback? And they, this is really just about the financials. Or does Sean Payton believe that Jared Stidham's an actual NFL starting quarterback? I do not believe that. I believe that he is below what we call on this podcast the Minshew line. So he is below the Gardner Minshew line. And uh, we will see what happens here. But this will turn a little bit more ugly because the NFLPA has been threatening the Broncos that this will happen. The Broncos are going to have some struggles to get um free agents to come to them this offseason because they're they see now how sean payton treats players that he that are paid by the organization so there there'll be some skittishness there um but on the other side sean payton needs to kind of figure out this offense and kind of quickly if they do take a step back next year that could be a huge indictment in sean payton's career with the broncos and that is a huge risk that he's actually taking with benching Russell Wilson here. And if that is a permanent bench thoughts on Russ here. Yeah, I think part of the issue is Russ hasn't lived up to his contract and that's why they're trying to find ways to not have to, to pay him everything in that contract because he just hasn't been good enough. Um, I know he's got some stats that make him seem like he's been more efficient than what he looks like playing. But when he plays, he doesn't look that great until he's down a few touchdowns and then finds it in him to uh, start performing a little bit. 
but we can both agree that this isn't the most talented receiving group. I know I really like Sutton, um, and I'm glad he had a good year. I didn't know that he would have a that good of a year this year with all the touch. I think that Mims could potentially be something, but they actually have to use him. And I'd like to see him get some consistent targets. Javante, like I was concerned, Javante wouldn't have a, a top year this year, and he's kind of struggled coming back from injury this year. So I would like to see him 100% healthy, and maybe uh, if they're able to make some moves, build up that roster a little bit through the draft. Uh, we'll see if they can do that. But I think Jared Stidham is a good backup quarterback. I don't ever believe he's going to be a legitimate starter. But he had a solid week against the Chargers team that had nothing to play for. Yeah, absolutely. But do you agree with me that there's a giant risk for Sean Payton if the offense takes a step back next year without Russ? No, I think they invested too much in Payton, and I think that they're going to. Uh, I think that Payton's safe next year altogether. The other aspect of that is you mentioned that he hasn't lived up to the contract that they offer. The contract that they offered and that he accepted does not start until 2020. So, no. can he get out of it? Can they get out of it now? They can't get out of it. They're going to owe a buttload, no matter how they twist and turn it here. But um, they can move in a different direction, a direction that they believe would be better for the organization. Even if it costs them $89 million over two years of guaranteed money that they have to pay him out. Like, obviously, all of his guaranteed money in that contract will be paid out, and it'll hit the cap. The uh, only thing that they can really do in the, the short term is post-June trade him next year. Because cutting him, they'll owe him $89 million over two years, whereas post-June trading, it's like only 60-something million, but most of it will be the the 2025 season, so they'll screw themselves in 2025 cap. Uh, yeah. So it's interesting how, how they can get out of it at this point. Uh, they might be stuck with him, so we'll, we'll, see. we'll see how that goes, but I'm not optimistic for him starting. So if they get out of it this upcoming year, the dead cap number is 107 million. That's pretty uh, right? Actually, actually, that's right now. So it's 85 million next year, and they can spread that out over two years. As you did mention with the post June trade, that's the only way that they can get a cap savings, but I don't know if they'll be able to trade him without taking some of his cap hit as well. So, like, I don't know how that works, especially at age 36 with Russ. So, whew, well, they are not they... in a good spot financially. They save maybe if I'm remembering correctly about half the cap for 2024. Um, 17 mil. Yeah, and so the 2025 they still have to pay the full dead cap if they post yep. trade them. So, so Ugh. it and and let's be clear: not very many people like to trade for a quarterback after June 1st because they want them in the in the fold before the draft. So there's like a lot of negatives working towards towards them there. So. And, well, and the time frame just doesn't really match up for them to get a deal done. I'm fairly certain there's some procedural stuff where they can do a trade that officially will go through post-June, but they can sign waivers and have a player show up to another team, basically saying that they're, they're traded or at least get the playbook going. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll yeah, follow that. It'll be hard, be but I do think if Russell Wilson is on the on the books after the fifth day of the league year, even more of his salary gets guaranteed. So that's another little benchmark to look in this as well. So they may just straight up cut him because they don't want that other guarantee to be triggered. Yeah. I think right, the well, third let's... year gets fully guaranteed if he's on the, on the roster, the fifth, le fifth day of the new league year. 
Yeah, it's going to be tricky. But let's uh, finish up week 17. We have the Green Bay Packers at the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, Jeff, you went Packers. I went Vikings. And the Packers won 33-10. I pretty much turned it off after the first half. Uh, But Jaron Hall. Second half was better. Yeah, Jaron Hall for the Vikings did not look like he can cut it in the league. I know he's just a rookie, but he's not someone I was very high on in the draft process. And I think we both can agree that they looked better when Nick Mullins came in. Outside of that, I mean, there really wasn't much going for Minnesota and Green Bay. Jordan Love had a really good week. Uh, Three touchdowns, zero turnovers. Um, He got Aaron Jones going to Aaron Jones, 120 yards on the ground. And uh, Jordan Reed had 105 yards and a touchdown. So that was something. I think Romeo Dobbs, to me, I think he's done. I don't think he's very good. And I think these young guys like Jaden Reed, uh, Watson when he comes back, and even uh, Wicks, I think they're all better than Dobbs at this point. I think Dobbs should drop off the fantasy uh, realm. But Jeff, what would you make of this matchup? So um, I think Minnesota is missing Kirk Cousins more and more and more and more and more by the week. So there is that function of it. Um, I do think that Kirk Cousins will be back in some way, shape, or form with the Vikings next year because, as we've mentioned before, you can't miss what's what's there. So I do think that Kirk Cousins does re-sign with the Vikings. Um, there was one piece of information on the broadcast that was really interesting that they do want. So Kirk Cousins wants to be able to be um, back and jogging by February so he could put tape together to have his agent send over to teams. So there is that aspect of it as well. Um, but we're going to be talking a lot about Kirk Cousins and some quarterback movement across the board here. Jordan Love continues to surprise me, and not for the reasons that he's actually decent. It's for the reason that he's able to be decent with the receiving core that he is currently playing with. So he's playing with all first and second year start starters at pass catcher positions. And he is playing with third and fourth strings. And it's just a lot of amazingness from Jordan Love being able to continue to do this under the um under the circumstances that have been presented to him this year. So I do think we've talked offline that Jordan Love pretty easily now has a has his um job sewn up for the next at least two years now am i correct on that assumption alex i i think that he's shown enough that they'll keep rolling with him next year and probably the year after that as well so i agree the next two years so unless he just completely falls off a cliff which is i mean it's certainly possible but I think that he's earned uh, earned the job. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say on this is I would much rather watch Mullins throw interceptions and gunsling it than watch Jaron Hall dink and dunk and try to win the game that way. It's just not fun. All right, well, that concludes the Week 17 coverage for you guys. And we're going to go ahead and talk about Week 18. We're only going to talk purely for NFL. There's really no, no legitimate fantasy teams to talk about that play into week 18 that's a little weird but so we're going to ignore the fantasy aspect and just talk about the nfl and playoffs so jeff would you want to go matchup by matchup and just do pickums real quick yeah 
since we don't okay. have fantasy stars to talk about this week. So uh, I'll let you get kick, kick us off with the first matchup. So most of the matchups this week have fantasy relevance. They're not fantasy, they uh, playoff relevance. And some of them don't. Well, so there'll be some rested starters. But the first one is the Steelers at the Ravens. And Ravens could rest their starters or like you've hinted several times now that they might not want the Steelers to have a chance at the playoffs. So they'll play at least for a bit. So I think the Ravens will get the win. And um, hopefully I finally get a pick right against the Steelers. But Jeff, who do you have this week? So for this matchup, I am going to go the Ravens. I do not believe they will bench their starters for this. This is a heated rivalry and they will want to keep the Steelers out of the playoffs. It'll also make the Steelers 9-8, and eight, which was my prediction to begin the year. So I like being right from that perspective as well. But uh, yeah, give me the Ravens in this one. Alex, who do you have? I, I have the Ravens. So we can move on to the next one here, and that's the Texans at Colts. I think we're going to have different answers for this. I'm going Texans in this one. Uh, Jeff, who do you have? I am going to go the Colts in this matchup. So shocker, shocker. I think this is going to be one of the matchups of the week, though, and we get it in prime time on Saturday night. Yep, we will see Minshew or Stroud. I think whoever wins I'm this a Minshew one, guy. whoever wins this one's going to have a ten and seven record and will make the playoffs, in my opinion. Exactly. All right, Falcons at Saints. One of these teams can make the playoffs if Tampa Bay loses. Who do we have in this one, Jeff? So that is correct actually which is it surprising that the falcons can still make the playoff um i'm gonna go the saints in this matchup they looked really impressive last week and i think they'll be able to stop tyler heineke and who got benched for desmond ritter in this game so we don't really even know who the starter for atlanta is at this exact moment i thought heineke got injured uh then that's another thing to look out for but heineke did not look good in that matchup so either way it's not a good situation for atlanta and i think they go out of the season with a whimper but it would be kind of funny to watch Carolina win and watch the and watch the Falcons win and have the Falcons sneak into the playoffs and the coach is kind of locked in there because of the playoff berth. Yeah. <laughs> but that's only me being a Panthers fan, hoping, wishing for mediocrity to stick around in uh, the NFC South. I mean, you guys can still cause chaos in that division, so we'll we'll see. I, I'm yeah, going give me Saints. the Saints. I'm going Saints as well. I, I think. Saints going into the year should have been the team that won the division, but I think that they'll at least finish with this victory. We'll see whether or not they make the playoffs, though. But the next matchup is the Browns at Bengals, and there's literally nothing on the line here. I don't think the Bengals can make the playoffs, um, and the Browns have clinched the, the fifth seed. So I expect them to rest the starters, and I'm going to take the Bengals in this one to get the moral victory. All right. So I am going to go in this matchup, this one is a little bit more difficult for me. So, because I like the Browns, but I do think the Browns will rest a lot of their starters on this one, so I'm going to go Jake Browning and the Bengals in this one as well. Okay. All right. The next matchup is the Jaguars at the Titans. It's possible that Lawrence is back for this one, but I think either way, I, I like the Jaguars over the Titans more. I will be rooting for the Titans to win for, for the Texans' sake, but I think the Jaguars got it and will clinch the, the division with this victory. Yeah, I learned my lesson last week. Give me the Jaguars in this one as well. I was like, last week, I was like, I'll take the Panthers if, if they uh, 
don't uh, start Lawrence, and we saw how that worked out. A complete shutout. Yeah. All right. We have the Vikings at the Lions, and uh, I think there's not a team in sports that's more angry than the Lions this week. They are at home. I- I'm taking the Lions to go ahead and win this out, and uh, ho- they're going to hope that they can somehow take the second seed. Uh, we'll see, but I'm going Lions. I think it's I think it's a solid bet. Who you got, Jeff? Oh, boy. So I am going to go the Lions in this matchup as well for the reasons that you just said. The only, like, I, I, I do have some qualms about this one in the fact that the Lions may burn out that anger and that steam ahead of time, and it, it, it may hinder them in the playoffs. I mean, we'll What's, see. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think this could be something mm-hmm. that they use all of their anger and firepower to now, and, and and they forget about it in the no, post-season a little bit. I think they're going to end up facing the Cowboys at some point, so I, I think that they're not going to forget. Yeah. And the funny thing is, it's not really even the Cowboys' fault, but the, the ones that are, it's going to be taken out on. Yeah. Alright, and now we have a, pretty much a relevant game with the Jets at Patriots. Uh, I'm picking the Pats. To me, it's a coin flip. Jeff, who do you have in this one? I'm going to go the Patriots in this one. I do think that they will um, be able to put one together here for Bill on his way out the door. Right. Okay, we have the Buccaneers at Panthers. Uh, Panthers can upset the whole division by beating the Buccaneers as a moral victory this year. But I'm going the Buccaneers. I, I think that they're the better team, and I think that they will clinch their division. Jeff, who do you have in this one? Yeah, I think that the Buccaneers will win this matchup. I learned my lesson last week. I think Baker gets his stuff together. I do think this is a lower-scoring matchup because I do think the Panthers know Baker quite well. And I think the first matchup was lower-scoring, and this one's in Carolina, so I do expect it to be a lower-scoring matchup, but I do expect the Buccaneers to come out in the winning column on this one. Okay, I think we will find another one where we have a difference in the Bears at the Packers. Uh, I'm going Bears this week with Justin Fields trying to prove that he's the starter. I don't really think that the the Packers have a real chance at making the playoffs. Uh, They have an outside chance, and they are at home. But I I think that Chicago is going to finish strong and beat the Packers, even in Lambeau. Jeff, who do you have in this one? So I'm going to go the Packers on this one, and the reason being is because I don't see the Packers getting eliminated the last week of the season, two weeks in a row, or two years in a row, I should say. And I do think that Christian Watson will be back, and I think there'll be some firepower back for the Packers, and that will help That will help Jordan Love uh, continue his consistent performances as of late. All right. Now we can move on to Cowboys at Commanders. I wouldn't put it past the Cowboys to lose this week for whatever reason, but I'm still going to go ahead and pick them to win this one. And uh, I think they'll lock up their division with this win. Jeff, who do you have in this matchup? I am going to go the Cowboys in this matchup, but this could be a matchup where the Cowboys pull their starters at a certain point, depending on what's going on with the Eagles game. Okay. Now we have the Broncos at Raiders, and we can assume that Jared Stidham will also start this week for the Broncos, Aiden O'Connell for the Raiders. Um, I'm going to go Raiders this week. I think that they're a better team than the Broncos are at this stage, and the Broncos don't really seem like they're trying to to win 
or at least winning is not the number one goal at this point for them. So I'm going to go Raiders. I think Antonio Pierce wants to finish strong and earn the head coaching job. So, Jeff, who do you have in the Broncos at Raiders? I'm going to go the Broncos in this one because if the Broncos do not win this matchup, people are going to start questioning Sean Payton already. And I think that could get really nasty with the sports media over the next year, year and a half. Okay, well, we're getting some differences this week. I like it. Me too. Okay, so we got the Chiefs at the Chargers. The The Chiefs, I don't think, have anything to play for this week, so I expect them to rest some starters. And the Chargers uh, have some pride on the line, so I'm going to go Chargers for this week. And I'm going to go the Chiefs, and I don't believe they'll rest starters because I think that their offense has been playing so poorly that they can't afford to just uh, fall off the face of the earth. Okay, we will see about that. Another difference. All right. Uh, Next, we have the Rams at the 49ers. I think that the 49ers have locked up the one seed. So I expect the Rams to take the win. They need to make sure that they earn their playoff berth. So I'm going Rams in this one. All right. I will also go the Rams in this one, but it's a little bit because of CMC, but I do expect the 49ers to play their starters for a good portion of this game because they do have the bye week the following week and they don't want to have rusty players going into the uh, postseason. But give me the Rams in this one and uh, I'll, I'll see the starters playing at least one half for the 49ers. Okay. Next matchup is Eagles at the Giants, and as much as the Eagles have struggled and as much as the Giants have fought pretty hard uh, the past few weeks, I'm taking the Eagles in this matchup to try to take the division back. Um, I I think that the uh, Eagles are going to win this one. Give me the Eagles in this one as well, and they should bounce back from that loss from the Cardinals. All right, just two more matchups here. We have another bird ball. Bird ball! Uh, with the Seahawks at the Cardinals. <laughs> and uh, I'm going Seahawks. I think Seahawks are the better team, and that will get them into the playoffs. Uh, Jeff, who do you have in this one? I And I think that's because of your Green Bay matchup. And this, and I kind of wonder if you did pick specifically to get Seattle into the playoffs, but that's just me wondering out loud. Um, I have the Cardinals upsetting the Seahawks in this one. The Seahawks have not looked good lately. They struggle against the Titans. They just lost to Mason Rudolph and the Steelers. And the Cardinals are coming off a huge win against the Eagles. And their confidence is at an all-time high right now. So I think this is a disaster game for Seattle to end a pretty mediocre year. I I think you just dislike Seattle. But to each their own. Um, I, I think Seattle should absolutely win this. And if they don't win this, I think that they should be looking internally. Um, all right. At last, the quarterback? At their head coach. Uh, at the quarterback? La- their head coach. Uh, last matchup, Bills at Dolphins. This is for the division lead here. Uh, I'm going Bills. Uh, I don't think the Dolphins have proven that they can beat more than one good team. So it's up to the Dolphins to prove otherwise. But I think Bills win this. They take the division and they take the two seed. Yeah, I think the Bills win as well because I don't think the Dolphins can be a winning team. Um, they did beat one, the Cowboys' last second field goal, but the Bills here should dominate this game and they should dominate on both sides of the football and they should 
get the number two seed. So from 11th seed to two seed in six weeks. Pretty incredible. All right. So that means that for my predictions for the AFC, Baltimore, they're the one seed. Buffalo's the two seed. Kansas City's the three seed. Jacksonville's the four seed. Um, Cleveland's five. Miami is six seed. Houston is seventh. That means that the 10 and seven Houston Texans have to go to Buffalo. For that matchup, <laughs> the Miami Dolphins are 11 and 6. They have to go against the 10 and 7 Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead. The the uh, fifth seed Cleveland Browns that with a 11 and 6 record go to Jacksonville. So that will be an interesting uh, interesting matchups. Not in my opinion, not the optimal matchups for uh, entertainment value. But Jeff, what do you have for your AFC playoff projections? So for the AFC, we have everything the exact same, except for I have the Colts winning the game and going to Buffalo week one. So I have the Colts, Bills, Chiefs, Dolphins, Cleveland, Jacksonville as my three matchups the first week, um, which I, if it does happen this way, I easily see the Bills beating. I, I honestly see the Bills beating either the Texans or the Colts in that matchup. Mm-hmm. I see the Chiefs beating the Dolphins because I just feel like the Dolphins can't beat decent teams and the Chiefs are a decent team, even though they're struggling. And I see Jacksonville losing to Cleveland in round one. And uh, so that that would move on Cleveland, Kansas City, Buffalo, and Baltimore, which would be an interesting Final Four. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen the Texans win the division and play Cleveland as a rematch. Miami play Buffalo. And I think that another team playing Kansas City would be interesting. If, like, if the Bengals actually had Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow at Kansas City would be awesome to see. But it's not what we got this year. Um, all right, who's your NFC? So NFC, my one seed is San Francisco, which is that's locked. My two seed is Dallas, which is pretty much locked as long as they win this week. Um, Detroit's my three seed. That's locked. I don't think Detroit can move out of the two seed either way right now, even if uh, Dallas loses. That's what I was just trying to figure out here. So if Dallas, Dallas loses, loses and Detroit wins, then Detroit can go to the two seed. No, because if Philly wins, they're the two seed. Okay, so both of them have to lose, and Detroit has to yeah, win. Yeah, that's not happening. So Detroit pretty much is. So that's an interesting scenario for Detroit. Do you rest some starters there, knowing that you're going to be the three seed most likely? They already said they're not. <sighs> Dan Campbell already said they're not resting anyone. After Bradley Chubb tore his ACL down thirty with the with, for the Dolphins. I think that's a slight risk, and I do think Dan Campbell makes some good decisions as a head coach, but I think he also makes some bad decisions. He's very bold, but you can yeah, continue with your standings. Yeah, so number four, I have Tampa Bay because they're just going to be Carolina and they're going to be in. Uh, number five, I have Philadelphia. Number six, I have the Rams. And number seven, I have Green Bay. So my matchups for round one are Green Bay at Dallas, which is a two classic teams going to battle. And that actually is a 50-50, more of a 50-50 matchup than we would care to admit, especially if Green Bay can get healthy and their pass catchers can get healthy for that. Um, I have the Rams visiting the Lions, and that is Stafford versus Goff. That would be absolutely insane. That would be the best thing out of all of this, um, because that matchup would be the matchup that I would want to watch that week. And I, I have Philadelphia at Tampa, which I do believe Philadelphia would win that matchup in Tampa. Any differences there, Alex? The only difference is the seventh seed team. And you know I have Seattle there instead of Green Bay. So I have Seattle at Dallas, which Seattle's the team that gave Dallas 
the the toughest time offensively. Um, I also have the the uh, Rams against Detroit, which was, like I, I agree with you, that would be an awesome matchup, and Philly at Tampa Bay. So first six first six teams are the same. I just have Seattle different. All right. We will see where everything shakes out this week, but we do know that the last matchup is going to be for the second seed in the AFC. Ridiculous. We're uh, we're excited that there's this many matchups that have playoff implications, so that's awesome to see. The NFL schedules with the hope that this happens, and it worked out well this year. Yeah, it sure did. All right. And there's well, a that... lot of teams with there's a lot of teams that are struggling right now that coaches are on the hot seat and they need a win this week, whether for this job or their future job. So that is another interesting aspect of this week as well. I agree. All right. Well, we can talk more about uh, the play, the upcoming playoffs next week and certain coaching decisions. But for now, that does it for another episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading or listening to this episode. And please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. You can find us on all podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy and with our handle at N2E Fantasy on all social media platforms. Please join our community and give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Bye, everybody.